the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. In a day and age when everything around us seems to be constantly changing, and in fact there almost appears to be nothing upon which we can put our hope or our faith, isn't it encouraging to know that God's Word reminds us that His Word remains the same yesterday, today, and forever? That no matter what happens, even though heaven and earth may pass away, that God's Word remains forever, that the Bible stands. That, by the way, is the name of a program hosted by our guest on today's show. He is the senior pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill and speaker on the Bible Stands broadcast, which comes your way every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. And Pastor Greg Tomlinson, so appreciative of having an opportunity to spend some time with you today. Well, thank you very much for allowing this, I mean, to have this opportunity to speak and to just share with people uh, what Bethel Baptist Church is is doing and what our, our purpose and goal is, uh, which, according, you know, like the program is titled, is The Bible Stands. It's all about the Word of God. From the morning into now it's the late afternoon, we have various programs or, or study opportunities to for people to get to know what is in the Bible, how to address issues of life from the Bible, and, and how to understand Jesus in a pers- more personal way. One of the aspects of your ministry that I appreciate so much, and that really goes to the heart of not only the name of your, your radio broadcast ministry, but, but the, the flavor of what happens in all of the teaching that occurs at Bethel Baptist Church, and that is your strong sense of the importance of solid apologetics. And boy, in a day and an age when we tend to question absolutely everything and where seemingly there is almost, a, if we talk about the, the a pandemic of COVID, there also seems to be a bit of a pandemic of biblical ignorance. And, and sadly, that ignorance runs pretty rampant even within the church, meaning that there are many believers out there that can tell you what they believe, but may not be able to tell you why they believe it. They just remember that they heard it at one point, and therefore they embrace it. And of course, that becomes very problematic when it comes down to the capacity of being able to share your faith with others. The Bible tells us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. And and, and I wonder, Pastor, do you find it troubling that oftentimes these days, many average Christians just don't have an answer for that hope? Oh, absolutely. Um, many years ago, um, I started a, a class specifically to address that issue. We call it Searching the Scriptures. Um, it's currently at 2 o'clock, and we broadcast it over the Internet. And what we do is we take any question you have, and we open up the Bible to look at what the Word of God has to say about your question. Because the most important thing for us to know and understand is one, that God's not afraid of your questions because he has the answer. And almost always, he himself is the answer. 
And as we take a look at, you know, theological questions or family questions or, or current events questions, it's always, what does God have to say about this? How do I apply the Word of God to my life and my understanding? And it's crucial, like you said, that we understand not just what we believe, but why. When I was the youth minister, that was one of my most important things to help my, the students to understand is, why do you believe what you believe? So that you can explain it to somebody else. Um, I used to, with, the, with some of our youth group, I would ask them, you know, things like, uh, what's new? You know, common question everybody asks. And so they would start telling me their day and stuff like that. And then I'd say, well, really, if you think about it, what's new? The mercies of God. So we try to take the everyday, even mundane questions and say, what does God have to say about it? Because that ultimately is the most important thing that we can address. So you really, in that regard, broaden um, the meaning of this book. And, and, and by that, I, I hope to suggest that, you know, some people will look at the Bible as merely a history book of past events. Others look at Scripture as a way to learn about the character of God. It certainly is both those things. But it's also very much a handbook for life, isn't it? I mean, really and truly, if you dig down into Scripture and learn how to not only study it but ultimately apply it, you'll find that there aren't many circumstances in life or situations in life or relationships in life that God's Word doesn't in one form or fashion or another have an answer, have an insight that can help us manage through some of the challenges of just everyday living. Absolutely. Um, Paul talks about the entire Old Testament was given to us as an example of how to understand God and how to live our life and how to conduct ourselves, how to understand um, if I make a decision to do this, what will be the consequences of it? I like to, um, in a sense, explain that part of the Old Testament is what happens to a people who have the Word of God but do not have the Spirit of God. And as a result, they try to formulate legalistic laws, and everything is covered by some sort of law that they don't follow, but they have a law. And they don't really understand the principles behind the, the Old Testament is not to make you righteous before God, but to expose that you are, in fact, a sinner, and you are in need of, of God to save you. And that's what Christ came to, to be. Um, that's why Paul as well talks about the Old Testament being um, our schoolmaster to show us where we have failed and that in our failure, we might deserve the wrath of God, but God has provided a way out of wrath and into his love and into the fullness of his mercy. Um, and that's where Christ comes in. Um, take a look at any of the religions of the world and Every single one of them has some sort of provision uh, or consequence of failure. And some religions, like Islam, it's sort of like, well, if you are lucky and God is being, um, in a sense, merciful at that time, he'll just forgive your sin and, and there's no consequences to it. But justice isn't served. And that's the fascinating thing I find about the Christian faith is you have a legitimate avenue for God to be merciful and at the same time to be perfectly just in the execution of the law. 
in that the intermingle of his justice and his mercy arrive at the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God, the punishment for sin. But by his death, he took away the penalty for our sin. And by his resurrection, he gives us his righteousness by which we can be declared right with God and be received as acceptable um, to be in the very presence of God. And it really is the only faith that that has a mechanism for justice and mercy to be legitimate and validated. Our conversation today with Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today, a very special guest. He is the speaker on the Bible Stands broadcast, heard Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX, the senior pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We're pleased to have with us Pastor Greg Tomlinson. Pastor Tomlinson, let's pick up things where we left off just before the break. Pastor Tomlinson, I'd like to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. So in your opinion, do you find it important, therefore, Pastor Tomlinson, to to study the totality of Scripture, the, the whole counsel of God, as we say, in other words, from Genesis to Revelation? And I pose that question because there's been a branch within the church in recent years, and it, it takes on various names. Sometimes they call it seeker-sensitive. Sometimes it's called the emergent church. But with regards, without regard to the label we put on it, 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 it seems to be teaching that focuses almost singularly on God's grace. And while there's nothing, of course, in that that's wrong, I think, though, it, 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 it tends to rob the reader and, and, and steal us of the whole perspective here, because God's grace is nowhere near as precious or meaningful unless we can see it in the context of God's wrath and God's judgment. You know, it's one thing to say we're saved, but if we don't want know what it is that we're being saved from, if we've not taken the time, for example, to read the Old Testament to understand just how impossible it has been for mankind to obey the law, that we ultimately needed God to step in and provide a solution by which we could all experience forgiveness and walk in fellowship with him once having repented of our sins and that mechanism, that that ultimate sacrifice, so to speak, that we find in Jesus and the cross, it seems to me that that message kind of loses part of part of its wonder if you leave out the the justice and the and the wrath side of the equation. Is is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, well, there's a lot of pastors that will claim, well, we're New Testament pastors or churches, and the Old Testament has no purpose or meaning. But I challenge any such pastor to say, explain John one twenty nine, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, without making any reference to the Old Testament. It can't be done. Likewise, there's also a lot of pastors who focus in on, like you said, the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. But those are completely meaningless terms and meaningless um, issues unless you understand the wrath and the justice of God. A God who is pure loving, but there is no possibility for there to be to be wrath or judgment. Is he really a loving God? There is no concept of grace if there is no prospect for, for punishment and judgment as well. So you can't have one without the other. 
And the Bible is, its whole purpose is to bring people to know Jesus Christ. The um, Old Testament is to show us how much we have failed so that we can find the one and only way to satisfy God's justice. And we have to have both. You can't have one without the other. I've got a lot of sermons where I explain the Old Testament in light of the New, where we take a look at the um, you know, Genesis uh, 1, where it's talked about we're made in the image and likeness of God. Well, how do we understand that? Well, the fascinating thing to me is in Genesis 1, we're made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis 3, we decided to tell God, thanks, but I got it from here. And yet in Romans and in Hebrews, it says God came in the likeness of sinful flesh in order to destroy him who has the power of death, even the devil, in order, in order to bring us back to him. So Jesus does this complete 180 or fulfillment of the circle. We're made in his image and likeness. We broke it. So he came, came in our image and likeness in order to restore us. And we need the fullness of the Old and the New Testament. We need the fullness of the, of the Law and the Prophets in order to understand exactly what Jesus did. We could perhaps liken it to um, being arrested one day and called before the judge and accused of having committed multiple heinous crimes down through our lifespan. And uh, before the conversation gets very far in, our attorney stands up says a few words before the judge. The judge bangs his gavel on the top of his uh, desk or the dais there and declares, your sentence has been suspended. You are free to go. Well, any prisoner would hoop and holler and be excited about that, but then maybe pause for a minute and say, well, but wait a minute, though. My sentence has been suspended. Well, what exactly was that sentence? What was the punishment for the crimes that I've been accused of? It just doesn't take on quite the same feeling when part of the equation is left out, which is, as you're suggesting, so critically important that we understand the failures of mankind, the Adamic nature, that sin nature that every one of us carries, that we have offended offended a holy and righteous God, for which the penalty is death. But in fact, Christ came in order to take away the power of the grave, so to speak, and that through his substitutionary work on the cross, we might accept that, repent of our sin, be born of a new flesh in Christ, and therefore escape the penalty of sin, which is death, and enjoy eternal, everlasting life. And it really takes on a lot more significance when you understand the totality of the, of the story, which is, as you point out, the reason why it's important to, to immerse yourself not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. I'm curious, from your perspective, Pastor Tomlinson, in terms of teaching God's Word, you know, we, we, we look at what's going on in the country today. We read some of the research that suggests that there's a certain percentile of people who identify as Christians. And yet, oftentimes, we can see a good percentage of the population that seems to live anything but a holy and righteous life. And I'm wondering how much of that, in your opinion, is the direct fault of people that either have failed to study the Word in the first place, or while maybe they've studied it, they've never quite 
figured out how to engage in the practical day-by-day application so that they live a life that really is demonstrative of a life that has been transformed by relationship with Christ. How problematic is that that lack of living out the word, do you think, in American culture today? That's a huge issue. Um, When the word of God says, thou thou shalt not sin, and the judgment or punishment of of sin is is death when we go or you know you shall not lie sorry um and the punishment for that is is death and we go around and we you know we, we modify the truth a little bit and we play games with with words on deceit and manipulation of words we aren't living a life that reflects that i believe those kind of words um i think one of the biggest issues facing the church in general uh, with respect to the law and its application, is envy. Churches want to be the biggest, the most important. They want to have the biggest and the largest audience. They want to have the biggest uh, budgets. But what is the cost of having a, a membership, you know, that's two, three, four, five, ten thousand people, if you're not delivering to them the truth that they need to hear, as opposed to what they want to hear? Um, the motto of Bethel Baptist Church, for as long as I've been there, has effectively been out of First uh, Second Timothy 4, where it says, preach the word, in season and out of season. For the time will come when people will not want to hear the word of God, but having itching ears pile up to themselves, teachers, teaching them what they want to hear. And the job of the minister is not to make people feel comfortable about themselves where they're at, but to cause them to encounter God in a real way to where they can recognize that without Christ to pay the penalty for their sin, they're in a whole lot of trouble before a holy and just God. And a life that is lived, um, that doesn't care about the consequences of sin, even a life that preaches the legitimate gospel. But when you preach the, the judgment, the wrath, and the forgiveness of, uh, of God through faith in Christ, and you do it properly, but your life doesn't reflect that reality, people are going to notice and question everything that you say. And so you need, as Christians, to live a life that reflects the presence of Christ in your life, because without it, People will just look at you just like a hypocrite like everybody else. And Christians are not called to live in the world or of the world or by the world's standards, but to live for Christ. And none of us does it perfectly. But the general trend of how we conduct ourselves ought to be full of, of repentance, confession before God, and change so that we continue to move in a way but as Paul says, we are being conformed to the image of his son, of Jesus Christ, to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, ministers that are just trying to be popular, um, and they may be popular among men, but are they popular among God? I remember years ago, people were talking about you know, developing messages, and who do you develop them for? My first thought is when I develop a message is, I'm developing this message for God to be his steward, his representation, to present him. 
it's not about so much uh, preparing it for the people. I need to prepare it for the people so they understand, but I need to prepare it in a way that reflects Christ accurately and legitimately and not tries to skip out on things because I don't want to offend somebody. You know, uh, that's just not what we, we need to do. Our conversation today with Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We'll take a brief time out and come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today, a very special guest. He is the speaker on the Bible Stands broadcast. Heard Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX, the senior pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We're pleased to have with us Pastor Greg Tomlinson. Pastor Tomlinson, let's pick up things where we left off just before the break. Pastor Tomlinson, I'd like to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. Scripture says of itself that the gospel message is an offense to those that are perishing. And I've always found it quite odd when people try to sort of... uh, airbrush, so to speak, the gospel, uh, or take some of the sting out, because we think, well, we get a better chance of attracting more people if we don't come across as too preachy or too insistent upon the precepts of Scripture. And, you know, after all, even Paul said, you work out your own salvation, and there's that sense that, you know, if they show up to church on Sunday like a sponge, they'll slowly absorb all of it. But the sad thing is you listen to, and and this is not meant to be a a blanket accusation by any means, but you listen to some pulpit ministries and you think to yourself, contextually speaking, I don't know if there's any real life-changing difference between listening to this and going to a Anthony Robbins self-motivation seminar. You know, the crowd gets all fired up and we feel good about the hour that we've spent and uh, we go home and go back to abusing our wife, kicking the dog, being nasty to the postman, and, uh, you know, there's no evidence of, of real change in our lives. And, and, and I suppose, in large part, that must be contributory to part of what we see going on in the world around us. Scripture says to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in, but you have to live a life and provide a message that's compelling. And sadly, as we try to water it down, because we want to be the most popular church on the block with the biggest attendance, that in the watering down, we make ourselves like the scripture of no effect. Yeah, and that's, you know, a lot lot many years ago, um, we quit presenting or or posting what our attendance was. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think of the sin of David, they think of uh, Bathsheba. But there's another grave sin of David. And that was where he counted Israel. He wanted to know how big he was, how popular he was, how important he was. And, you know, many thousands of people ended up dying because of David's choice to focus upon how great he was rather than focus upon how great God is. And a lot of churches fall into that trap of looking at themselves, not in a critical way, which we do need to do. But in a um, puffy up way, you know, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the most wonderful. And realistically, we need to not look at us and say how great we are, but we need to look at our God and say how great he is. Um, And that's, you know, to me, that's the, the heart of what Bethel Baptist Church is about, 
is it's about God. It's about Christ. It's not about us. You know, my wife and I often talk about, you know, friends and family that we have. It's like, you know, we, we will talk to them about Christ and we, we pray that they go to church. Whether they go to Bethel or not, we don't care. What we want is for them to find the Lord Jesus Christ and to live their lives in a way that reflects the reality of his presence. It's not about uh, me. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And when you live a, a life that is focused upon Christ, people do notice. Um, in the days when we're you know, sort of able to go into uh, our workplaces, I work for home almost all the time now, um, I would have people drop by all the time and ask me questions uh, about my faith. And they would sometimes try to explain their faith. And I would explain to them some aspect of where it fails. And so people knew that I was a Christian. People came to know that I was not ashamed of it and that I was more than willing to listen and to talk to people. And that's a lot of what we need to do, being able to listen and to seek to understand what they are going through, but not get so comfy in what they're going through that we tell them it's all right. But we tell them, this is the hardships you're going through, but Christ has a way through that. And, you know, so much of what's happening in this church, in churches today, you know, especially with the LGBTQRSWXYZ movement is about making people feel comfortable in who they are. We're not called by Christ to feel comfortable in who we are. We're called to feel praiseworthy of him. It's about who he is and to change our lives to be a reflection of him. You know, we talked a little bit about offense. You know, if you take any issue of controversy on the, in the day, no matter what you say, you will offend somebody. The question ultimately is, with respect to offending people, is who are you going to offend? Are you going to offend God, who is holy and righteous? Or are you going to offend Satan, who is the great deceiver and a liar? And so we need to not be so worried about offending people with truth that we don't speak it. Um, and so... Truth is what needs to guide us, but we need to understand what truth is. Truth is found in the Word of God. Truth is Christ. Truth is God. And truth is, how does God see the view in the understanding of the world? So we need to deal with the truth as God lays it out and not as we ourselves lay it out. And so critically important, I think, too, especially in this day and age, when there is so much confusion out there, so much questioning that takes place. And I think ultimately, uh, mankind really hasn't changed over the millennia. Uh, our, our, our behavior remains the same. Our sin nature remains the same. And I think even ultimately, while we might have a difficult time uh, describing it or putting our finger on it, for a non-believer, there's still that sense of something is missing. Now, they may seek out answers through alternative religions, through paganism, through who knows what. Uh, you know, ultimately, though, the only thing that will satisfy that God-shaped hole, that vacuum in their life, is going to be a relationship with Jesus. But how will they hear unless there be a preacher, right? We have a responsibility as believers to be light and salt. And I, I have always found it 
troubling and yet strangely fascinating when you'll hear, for example, a, a teacher will talk about the way the children behave in the classroom. And my goodness, uh, 40 years ago, they had a difficult time with kids putting bubble gum underneath the, you know, underneath the seats. And, and, and today they're worried about students literally bringing guns to class. And and you hear stories about how disrespectful they are. And, and <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, if only we could post a reminder in the classroom Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt honor thy mother and father. Oh, wait a minute. We used to do that. Yep. And then somewhere along the way, somebody said, oh, we can't post the Ten Commandments in the classroom. That would violate so-called separation of church and state. Yep. And as we kind of relegate God to the back of the classroom or the back of our lives, or he's somebody we engage with on Sundays because that's just what we do, but... On Monday, we go back to living like we, we do the, the other six days of the week. Then is it any wonder that we see society in this downward spiral as we're facing today with not only you know, every imaginable lifestyle and a few that we've never even thought of about imagining, you know, uh, along with political strife and, and, and racial division, all that seems to be troubling us today and in every single circumstance, in every situation the answer is Christ. The answer is found in God's word. If we would only give voice to that and be willing to take a stand. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the, the word of God and the presence of, of God in every aspect of our life is so important and so crucial. Um, we need to understand that God really is. He is God by nature. We, don't, we did not create God. He created us. We did not define his characteristics to our liking. He defined his characteristics in a way that says, and you don't measure up. And as we refuse to acknowledge God in every aspect, we are relinquishing that aspect of our lives, that component of our lives to something else. You know, how many times do we hear of, of, of Christians who, you know, they would go to, they go to church on Sunday, but you know, my kid has a recital. My kid has a basketball game, a football game. My kid has this, my kid has that, or I have, you know, families coming in from out of town and I need to spend time with them. It's like, what are we telling people that Christ is, that God is, that our fellowship with the brethren is it's second place to everything else. We're supposed to take our schedule and fit it to God, not the other way around. We should be looking first at where does God want me to be? What does he want me to do? Now, I don't think, believe that all ministry revolves around the church. There are a lot of people who are really ministering to people in the world and at times where the church might be meeting. Yeah, you're ministering to people with the word of God and the presence of Christ. That needs to be done. But as a minister to other people, you also need to be refueled yourself. And you need to be given the word of God as a reminder and, a, and an encouragement and as a, as a force or a source of blessing to your life. Um, sometimes I like, well, if you think back at Elijah and Elisha, Elijah, after he had had the battle on, on Mount Carmel, and then he heard that Jezebel wanted to kill him. He ran off and he was hiding. He was hiding, and he was getting away from Jezebel, and he just wanted to die. 
And God told him to go anoint uh, Jehu and go anoint uh, Ben-Hadad and, or Hazael and go anoint um, Elisha. He told him in basically that order. But what did Elijah do? He went and he anointed Elisha and stopped there. Why? Because he was tired of having the sense that he was alone. And now with Elisha, he knew, you know what? I am not the only one who is trusting in God. I'm not the only one who can do this. But God has prepared many for himself to teach and preach the word of God. So as ministers, we need to be fed. And we need to come to that realization and understanding that while there are many in the, in the church who don't really believe or they sort of kind of believe, that there are actually some that are out there that are willing to give their all and sacrifice everything for the word of God, the cause of Christ, and the calling of God. And that's one of the, the functions of the church is to be there as a presence of God to even help those who know Christ, that you're not alone. There are many with um, prayer meetings. And unfortunately, by and large, almost every church I know of does not have a prayer meeting. And that's sad. Because God calls his house a house of prayer. He doesn't call it a house of preaching. He doesn't call it a house of teaching. He doesn't call it a house of, of feeding the poor, but he calls it a house of prayer. And so God is calling God's people to pray because we need his intercession. This world is falling apart because, well, we're not, inter- we're not seeking the intercession of God, which is what we need more than just about anything else in this world. Our conversation today with Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today, a very special guest. He is the speaker on the Bible Stands broadcast, heard Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX, the senior pastor of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. We're pleased to have with us Pastor Greg Tomlinson. Pastor Tomlinson, let's pick up things where we left off just before the break. Pastor Tomlinson, I'd like to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. And, you know, that that sense of not engaging in Christianity as a um, spectator sport, so to speak. We as Americans, we're good at that. We like to watch football teams bash it out on the gridiron, our favorite basketball team on the court. Uh, Spectator sports is something that we've got down pat in this country. But we need to remember that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is one where you literally strap on your cleats and you get out on the field and you're playing. You're right there in the middle of the action. And I'm glad, Pastor Tomlinson, that you you made a point with regard to the the often numbers game that takes place. Because, you know, in, in those kinds of circumstances, and it's sad, I think, when Christians try to intentionally seek out the biggest mega church they can possibly find, not necessarily because they're going to be fed well. They might like the entertainment, so to speak. The, the music program might be second to none. It might be, you know, on a par with, with a Broadway production. But in a large group like that, oftentimes it's very difficult to experience that iron sharpening iron 
impact of touching each other's lives and exhorting one another, encouraging one another, holding each other accountable. And it's easy in a so-called megachurch to to sort of blend into the woodwork and therefore never really truly experience not only what real, pure fellowship is, but the impact of that iron sharpening iron to help improve who we are as believers, uh, grow in our faith, and as we do so, grow in the kind of influence and impact that God wants us to have in where we've been planted in the people that are around us. Because if they don't hear the good news from us, where will they hear it from? Toward that end, spend a few minutes, if you would, Pastor Tomlinson, and uh, give us a bit of a glimpse into the ministry of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. Folks perhaps listening that are looking for a new church home are fascinated by what you've had to share in our conversation today and would like to know a little bit more about congregational life there at Bethel Baptist. Okay. So, um, on so on Sunday mornings, we tend to start at around 10 a.m. We have a morning Bible study, and we will walk, you know, paragraph by paragraph, verse by verse, whatever it, it happens to make to work, um, through a book of the Bible. And we've been doing that for as long as I've been going there, which is more than 25 years. And so we expound on what the Word of God says and how it impacts our life in the larger perspective. Um, right now we're walking through the book of Genesis and we're dealing with um, Abraham and his uh, appeal to God for, for Lot as God is heading to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the greatness of their sin. So we, we start off the day in the Word of God, opening up and reading the scriptures as a type of Bible study. Then we move to our morning sermon where our morning service starts at 11 and we will spend a, a, some time uh, singing some of the hymns. And, they, the, and a lot of people say, well, why don't you do the contemporary music? Because the hymns teach theology. We want to know who God is. And we want to know why he's worthy of worship. And to me, a lot of the contemporary music doesn't really get into that. But a lot of people love contemporary music. That's great. I have no problem with that. But we want to focus in at Bethel on worshiping and praising God for who he is. And so we tend to use a lot of the, the older hymns and things like the Bible stands, uh, how great thou art and amazing grace and that type of, of hymn. And then we have um, a time of, of mess, a message from the word of God where right now we're, we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about his characteristics, his, his nature and, and his identity and, we feed that into who are we, right? How, how does this verse impact my way I should view this world and, and how I should conduct and live my life? And then we are currently finishing off the day with a, a two o'clock service of the Bible study, which is where you can bring in any question that you want. And we will do our best or I'll do my best to uh, open up the scriptures and address your question from the Word of God. And we've had all kinds of, of questions on special theo- theology questions to applications of uh, how to deal with um, depression and, and difficult times in life and, and things like that. Um, and so it's an opportunity for people to get their questions asked answered. I've heard of you know, people raising up questions about God and Christianity and, 
and told, um, well, we don't ask questions like that. Well, yeah, you do. The fact that a person has a question means it's a legitimate question needing to be asked. And so we, we address that. Um, the answer might be very simple, you know, but that's okay. It's a question someone has, so we talk about it. Then, during, then we have a, a prayer service you know, on Wednesdays at 7.30 um, where we get together to sing some hymns. We read a passage of the Bible, um, a few verses or a few chapter, chapter or two, and then we go to the, the, the Lord in prayer. Um, we also have a, a food ministry that we get some food from a, a local uh, grocer, and we just we give it to some people that are um, part of what's called Informed Choices. It's a pregnancy care facility here in Gilroy. And so just to help support those that are having difficult um, times. Um, and then we have evening um, Bible studies as well. Uh, the ladies are, go through a video, uh, uh, video, a video Bible study, and um, I'm trying to get the men's group started back up again. And we have the youth, which to me, uh, youth is anybody younger than Methuselah. And, th- and we're going through some fundamentals of Christianity. You know, and we need to understand why, how can we trust the Bible? Why can we say it's true? And we look at some of the internal proofs and the validation of, of the Christian faith and how do we deal with it, apply it, and things like that. So those are some of our primary services that we have going on right now. Um, and we're just constantly trying to open up the Word of God and get it into the minds of people and into the hands of people that people become more and more familiar with what is in the Bible, what is the purpose of the Bible, what is um, the, the reason for God in Christ, why do, we, why do we even bother? And so we need to deal with those questions and deal with those aspects so people can understand that every single one of us will have to stand before God at some point. Some of us will stand before God at the cross in repentance, and some will have to stand before God at his throne for judgment but we all have to sin before God. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is, as we pointed out earlier, it's not only a means by which we might know more about the heart of God, the character of God, God's willingness and desire to walk in fellowship with us, the means by which he has made that possible through his son and his son's work on the cross on the behalf of all of us that, as Scripture reminds us, none should perish, but all should experience and have everlasting life. And along with that, understanding how studying Scripture to show yourself approved, as Scripture says, and then the practical application as a life manual for day-to-day living. That's what the Scripture is all about. And if you are seeking a church where the unabridged, unadulterated power of the Word is preached from the pulpit— then you'll certainly be blessed by visiting Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill. They meet at 810 Tennant Avenue. That's in the city of Morgan Hill. And you can get more information online about ministries by going to BBCMH, think Bethel Baptist Church, Morgan Hill, 
bbcmh.org. Sunday morning Bible study about 9.45 a.m., followed by worship at 11. Then there's an afternoon Bible study at 2 p.m. on Sundays, and then that all-important midweek evening prayer service at 7.30 p.m. The pulpit ministry of Bethel Baptist Church and Pastor Greg Tomlinson called The Bible Stands comes your way every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. We invite you to tune in. I know you will be richly blessed. Again, more information about the ministry of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill online at bbcmh.org. And our thanks to Pastor Greg Tomlinson for being with us today. Pastor Tomlinson, always a delight to spend some time with you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.